Good evening, friends. Welcome back to another episode of the Across the Tracks podcast. I'd like to welcome the masters of the ones and twos, my partner Wayne, and I am Steve, the editor and engineer. We hope you enjoy tonight's topics of discussions because we're going to say it the way we see it. Good evening and welcome back. It is another episode of the Across the Tracks podcast. Glad you're down with us this evening. And I am Wayne here on the mic. I'm Steve. Yeah, and we are back. We've had a little bit of an extended uh, vacation, but we are uh, back. I was out for a couple of uh, weekends doing some stuff, which we'll talk about uh, a little bit later. And it's just been one of those things where we haven't been able to uh, hook up. I think my partner was, you know, had some things going on with the family before. And I had some things going on, some personal issues, like having fun going on. So we just haven't been back at it. But uh, we are back and we're going to uh, throw out some ideas and talk, discuss some topics that, you know, that's interesting to us. You you may or may not uh, may or may not agree with that, but hey, we've been doing this for almost three years now, and uh, we're still having fun at it, and we're going to continue to move forward. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yeah. So uh, tonight, um, we're going to start off with. I we won't say serious, but we're going to start off with with some topics uh, that came across the wires earlier this week and and last week. And we just want to touch base on those briefly before we get to the fun stuff. That's what I'm <laughs> waiting for—the fun stuff at the end of the end of the broadcast. So, so let's let, let's kick it off tonight um, discussing a um, documentary that's out on uh, one of our hometown heroes, and that is the greatest Muhammad Ali. Uh, Cassius Clay, uh, Ken Burns has done a great documentary on Muhammad Ali, and anything that Ken Burns does. Uh, you can go to the bank and bet on that because it's going to be thorough. It's going to be good. I have watched uh, one episode of that, and I'm going to get back into it uh, maybe tonight, if not tonight, tomorrow. Uh, but um, the first episode that I watched, um, he did his research very well. That f- first episode, very in-depth, uh, chronicling the life of Ali, uh, you know, born and raised in the Ville. As, as we both know, and he is truly a hometown hero uh, to many, many people. Uh, but those of us who were born and raised in Kentucky, we claim him as our own. And uh, so we're we're glad to, to have this discussion about uh, the greatest tonight. So your thoughts on the documentary? Have you seen it? Have you watched a lot of it or have you saw the whole thing? What's what's your thoughts on it? I have watched the entire series. It's four okay. episodes, four episodes. OK. And it is it's really good because it goes into the details. A, a lot of these things we know about because we grew up during that time period. So, right, right. you know, we weren't there the early part of when, when he was um, falling the Olympics and so on. But shortly thereafter, uh, when he turned pro, we were there. We saw that we witnessed all that yeah. uh, boxing at that time was one of the great greatest sports in America. And then we had um, Muhammad Ali, or at that time, Cassius Clay, who um, 
was a hometown hero and made good and became the the most famous person in the world. Yep. Okay. And so the series is broken into four different sections in which the first section deals with the early part of his career and kind of goes through him winning the world championship. And then uh, the second uh, episode, and these are about an hour and a half long, a little bit more, maybe an hour and 45 minutes. The second episode goes up to the point in time where he becomes a member of the Nation of Islam and uh, his 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 uh, friendship with Malcolm X and how and why he he changed his name and uh, some things that I didn't know uh, is is brought out in this also. Um, you know, for example, I didn't know that he was banished by uh, Maha- uh, Elijah Muhammad, sort of like uh, uh, Elijah Muhammad did with Malcolm X. Hmm. Okay, silenced him. Silence. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, no, I yeah. I did not know that either. I, I, I did. I, I, I never heard of that. Yep, I didn't know that either. But he continued to use his name and use Muhammad Ali, the name that uh, Elijah Muhammad gave him. So the second part deals with going up to the part where he kind of uh, gets involved with um, the Nation of Islam and then him not fighting the um, uh, fighting against going to war. And then it kind of ends with him losing his title and all the things he had to do in order to provide for his family. Uh, It goes into pretty good detail with uh, his first wife. They just kind of mentioned her briefly and how they broke up and then his second wife and how all these other, you know, women were in his life that he had was fooling around with. And then it goes into when he fights George uh, Foreman, not I'm take that back. Uh, Joe Frazier. So the third uh, episode kind of deals with, you know, him coming back from uh, fighting, uh, losing to George. Keep saying not George, <laughs> Joe <laughs> Frazier, and then him regaining his title back with the, you know, the Rumble in the Jungle and defeating. Yeah. George uh, George uh, Foreman, and then the, it goes into a little bit. Of, it goes into pretty good detail on how you know Ali and Frazier didn't like one another. We knew that, you know, right, right. living it, but it was pretty pretty vicious between the both of them. Yeah, and so yeah. he fights Foreman. And then, of course, he gets uh, he loses his main source of income. Kind of, I'm not I'm telling you some of it, but you'll have to see it. So he loses his income and all that. So he starts to fight other people. He regains his title, and then <clears throat> it, it talks about how he didn't work as hard as he used to, and yeah, you know, it's kind of like Rocky too, right? Right. You know, and and he didn't work out as hard, uh, but when he wanted to, he could. And then it goes into what happened after the Foreman fight and he had to come back and fight Frazier. Then it goes into his life after boxing and how he was a shell of himself 
uh, towards the end of his career because he needed to um, make money, you right. know, for because right. he lost his boxing was his sole source of income, and the Nation of Islam was uh, his base supporters and they had uh, banished him and so on so it was good uh, yeah, yeah. and there's a piece afterwards that's not Ken Burns but a different documentary that's related that goes into that as well so very good well of course you know it's well put on by Ken Burns and his, his, Sarah, his daughter Sarah also is a, a executive producer uh, in this in this series, but it's very good, well done. It's a documentary, so all you people that you know want to see a whole bunch of action, you're not going to see that. It's a documentary, right? Okay, right. Uh, but it goes over the facts real well, and I, I find out some information that um, I didn't know before. Just you know, like he, like I said earlier, he, uh, the Nation of Islam had did the same thing to him that they did to. Uh, Malcolm X, pretty much. Now, did it refer to as to why Elijah Muhammad silenced him? Because uh, I, again, I'd never heard of that man. I, I, I knew he had, he had, be, you know, he and Malcolm X had become friends, and he had gotten involved with the nation. Uh, but beyond that, I had never heard that he had been silenced. I mean, in that first time, man. So yeah, yeah. Um, I'm trying to remember that it was. Um, he's it's kind of like what Malcolm did is that Ali started to question Elijah Muhammad on some things. Okay. Okay. And then um, when he was uh, silenced, Muhammad Ali just ignored him. He said, I'm going to, you know, <laughs> Elijah Muhammad said, I'm taking back your name. You, and Muhammad Ali said, well, you can't take back my name. I'm going to continue to use my name. Okay, so uh, Elijah Muhammad turned against him, and Muhammad Ali was still praising him during this whole whole time. So, oh. um, but there are some issues, you know. Uh, he had, you know, several affairs and so on uh, with other women that he he was married to two women at the same time. A lot of people that I didn't know, I knew that he had was married to different women. Right, right. But I didn't know that he was married to two women at the same time. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And uh, you know, it was it's it's you know, it's it's really good. Uh, exactly, man. If if Ken Burns does it, you know it's gonna be it's gonna be on point, you know. Yeah. And and he's gonna present uh, the information, whether it's good, bad or ugly, he's gonna present it. And, right. Uh, Right. I, I, I always I always thought, man, you know, you mentioned the, the bad blood between him and Joe Frazier, man. I thought sometimes Ali took it a bit far, you know, in, in taunting Joe Frazier and some of the things he said about Joe Frazier as he did. a black man to another black man. I, th I thought some of that was like, eh, that's not cool, man. Yeah. You know, and, and, and I think later in his life, I think Joe Frazier said something about that. Uh, that you know, it 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 hurt him somewhat. That right. you know, this other black man was saying these things to him, uh, and it, it hurt him quite a bit, man. Yep. So Yeah, it, it did, and you know, it Muhammad Ali saw it as gamesmanship. All right. Okay, but you know, everybody's in our lives take criticism or joking around differently. Right, right. You know, something that may start off as as a little joke when we were going through school and so on, 
it's funny in the beginning, but after a while, it starts wearing on you. And right, then that, right. that joke becomes serious. And then that joke be- goes from ha, ha, ha to wop, wop, wop. Right, you know, right, and right. you know, and and I think the one thing that was mentioned towards the end of it was the fact that um, Joe Frazier was so hurt that even when Muhammad Ali said that he was he had done Joe Frazier wrong, uh, Frazier could not accept yep. what he. Yeah. What he's what he had done. He had hurt him so much right. that regardless of what he said, he it's not he's not gonna go beyond that. Right, right. You know, and so, you know, Joe Frazier dies before Muhammad Ali and they can never really they never did really settle no, they never did settle their differences, you know. No. Even even the last fight and uh the the thriller in Manila. Yeah, the thrill in Manila is that neither neither one of these men, and I remember this, was not going to stop. Nope. Somebody was going to die in that ring. Okay. Ali, I remember watching the fight. Ali was completely exhausted. Uh, He after the fight, he passed out. He couldn't even stand up, and he was on the ground. They had to carry him, had to carry him out of there. Okay, and Frazier was so beat up that he just they just had to stop the fight because Ali was beating him so bad. Yeah, yeah. you know, and and Frazier just says, "You're not gonna beat me, right? You're right. gonna you're gonna kill me, but I'm not gonna be knocked out. Right. You're gonna kill right. me. I am not gonna stop fighting." Right. And his trainer literally had to say, "Joe, if if you continue." You're going to die. Yeah. Okay. And Ali, I mean, you know how Ali at the end of these fights, he raised his hand and, you know, does the Ali shuffle and so on. He couldn't even get up off the stool. Wow. Wow. So I remember remember that fight. And uh, it's amazing. You, you, You contrast that to the last fight that I remember that Ali had. I think he fought Larry Holmes. Yep. And Larry Holmes was was beating him, man. I mean, he was, you know, Larry Holmes, Ali was Larry Holmes' idol, so to speak. Yeah, sparring partner. Yeah, Larry Holmes was beating him, and, and he said he didn't want to hit him anymore, you know, because he could see that, like, you know, this is not this is not right, because Ali was not who he who he was, you know. Right. And uh, that I mean, he was forty two years old. He was forty two, forty two years old, yeah. and he's still in the ring boxing. And Larry Holmes, he was he was hoping somebody would have stopped the fight because right. he, he did not want to hurt him and whatnot. So here it is: you're you're beating Joe Frazier to a pulp, and uh, you know, fast forward toward the end of your career, you know, you, you're taking the punishment, and and people want to stop the stop it, and uh, because they have such high regard for you, man, and everything, and. And I, I was very poignant of Larry Holmes to to say that man. So yeah, yeah, I, I remember that fight as well. Yeah. And Larry Holmes was looking at the uh, official like, "Come yeah. on, man, stop the fight!" Right, stop he, the fight. You he, know? He's not, he's not going to quit. I'm beating the hell out of him. Right. Step in here and stop this fight. Right, right. So, but you know, that's uh, you know that that's how it was back in the day, man. No, no, that's. That was the golden era of boxing, in my opinion, man. You you had true champions up in there, 
and they were laying it on the line. You know, each time they stepped in the ring, they were laying it all out there, and you got your money's worth. Yeah, you, know, you got it, your it, money's worth. It the documentary goes into, you know, the people that literally bought Ali. You know, Cassius mm. Clay. Mm. You know that that there was a group of rich white men in Louisville that basically bought him. Mm. Okay. And they and they go into that we didn't want him boxing a lot because it was like an investment. So anything that he needed, he got. Wow. We don't care what it is. You know, he was the first boxer to I want to say $700,000 or maybe a million dollars as a salary. And he didn't have to do anything except be Muhammad Ali or be Cassius Clay at the time. Wow. So all of his expenses were paid for. All of his entourage were paid for. Anything he needed was paid for because they wanted him to be the heavyweight champion. So they didn't want him boxing a whole bunch of times in order to get money in order to continue his career. They gave him what he needed. Wow. And, and then after, you know, he won that first the the championship, uh, the heavyweight championship, he hung on with them for a little bit. And then later on, you know, it, it goes into Don King and how he mm-hmm. kind of, you know, manipulated people and so on. So it, it's, it was really good. It gives you a, a really overall view of the beginning and the end of Muhammad Ali, you know, and of course the last thing they talk about is the 1996 Olympic, uh, torch. Yep. 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 It was good. Yeah. Yeah. I got, I got to finish it. Like I said, I've watched one episode and I got to finish that. So it's in my queue. Uh, to watch the greatest of all time, as he said, <laughs> you know, he's the greatest. And uh, so I'm going to finish that. Uh, I got so many things to watch, man. It's not, it's not, much, <laughs> but, that, but that's on the list. So, yeah. so want want to get back into that. So uh, segueing, uh, we had a couple of uh, high profile uh, individuals uh, pass away this uh Recently, some uh, some this week, um, one earlier, I think maybe toward the end of last week. But we want to first talk about Michael K. Williams. And uh, most folks probably like Michael K. Williams. But the character that he played (laughs) in the award winning series, The Wire, Omar Little, uh, if, if you yeah. If you watch The Wire, <laughs> uh, man, he he played that character, um, Omar. And, uh, I mean, The Wire is an incredible series. He was also played a character called uh, Albert Chalky White. I, I watched a couple episodes of Boardwalk Empire, uh, another HBO series. But um, his character in The Wire um, is I think it, that character will probably stand the test of time. People will be talking about Omar for a long time to come. Yeah, that was his signature. Signature. That was his. Uh, yes, that character. was his signature. His signature character. And uh, I, my fact, I queued up um, the first season of The Wire. Just like you know, I gotta gotta pay homage to 
to to him and i said let me watch a little bit of the wire man and so i started watching it that's why i'm like i'll get to ali but i'm probably gonna watch uh, a few more episodes of the wire just uh you know to pay respects man to a to a great actor uh sad man that uh you know he had uh, died from an accidental overdose that's really sad but mm-hmm. uh that character is is man amazing your thoughts on michael k williams yeah, I agree with you. He's his signature character is Omar on The Wire, and um, yeah, he played that role. Uh, he was he he was the bad guy that you love to not hate. He was the bad guy that had a code. Yeah. Okay, he had a code. I. I'm going to do this because of that. I'm only robbing these people because they rob people. Right. (laughs) Okay. I'm only stealing from people that are stealing from people. You know, I'm looking out for the community. I'm just doing it with a shotgun, you know, and he was, his character brought fear to that, to that show. Yep. You know, just as I as I was whistled a little bit, that was that was the farmer in the dale was what he would whistle before somebody would get taken out. Yep. <laughs> and um, yeah, I mean he he played the bad guy. He played a gay guy. You know, he had he 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 loved the community. He did things for a like I said a code. You yep. know, he he robbed the the. The, the bad people and just because they rob people and he even paid homage to his grandma. He even, I mean, he was, he, even though he was a bad guy, I mean, he was able to, you know, treat his grandma well. And man, when, when, when they went after his grandma and, and she had her crown on, <laughs> it made me laugh, but <laughs> Oh, uh, who was the the character, the fat guy? I can't think of his name. Um, uh, 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 property prop Joe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, prop Joe said, "Man, y'all went after Omar, and <laughs> and his grandma was there. We don't do that." And she lost her crown. Oh man, <laughs> yeah. we gonna, we gonna, there gonna be some consequences and yeah. repercussions from that. Yeah. But yeah, uh, Michael K. Williams. Uh, playing that in uh, uh, Boardwalk uh, Empire and the um, the Wire, and also his latest uh, series that he was in is Lovecraft Country. Yeah, he was in Lovecraft Country. Yeah, and yeah. he he played a a really good role in that as well. So yeah. his his character was 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 awesome. You know, New York. Uh, I think he grew up in New York. Yep. And I I remember seeing an interview with him where he talked about, you know, how he got that scar across his face. Yeah. You yep. know, and they show before and after pictures. And, you know, just that, you know, hanging yep. out in the park and somebody attacked me and slashed me with a damn machete across the face. Yeah. Yeah. You know, but, yeah, he's uh, it's it's tragic. He, he was fighting demons, you know, the um, drug addiction type demons. And yeah. so on, and and a lot of people thought that he had he kind of kicked it a little bit, because yeah. his his um his um personality, his characters, his 
he, he became a little bit more famous and more well known. And it's just, you know, you just think about it, you know, people, some people can't get past that, man. And yeah. I think, and I'll be honest, I, I think that's one reason why I never got into that drug and alcohol thing, man. You know, because I remember coming back from a, a basketball game in high school. We went all the way to Owensboro, Kentucky. And on the way back, there were some of the guys were talking about, you know, some marijuana and stuff like that. And one of our really, really, really close friends said, man, you don't do that because it's drugs, you know, <laughs> because it's drugs. And he didn't. But then he then he did. Mm. And once once he did, it took him a it took him down a long, slow paths and got in big trouble from that, you know. Mm. So yeah. and I was like, you know, once you get hooked on that stuff, this is just me thinking personally, you know, some people that are A type personalities, you know, they'll they'll do the gusto. You know, I can't stop here. I gotta, I, I gotta be number one. Right. Well, right. this little bit's not gonna do enough for me, so I gotta do something else to make give me that same feeling. So you just, I think, I don't know anything about it, but I think it just some people yeah. get caught in that cycle, and it, you know, they get, they get, um, it takes more to get them to where they were. Right. And right. So right. I mean, who who would ever thought that Prince would die from that? Yeah, you know, Prince, uh, Rick James. Rick, yeah, you know, I, I, I think I think we probably probably put one and one together and figure like at some point, man, Rick James is gonna 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 meet a, an end related to all this craziness that he was involved in. Yeah, which, sure. Which, if you watch his documentary, uh, there's a documentary on Rick James uh, that his daughter uh, did, um, and it's really good, man. It's on Showtime. Uh, but man, I mean, the drugs just overtook him, man. Yeah. And, um, it, it affected his craft, you know, and I think Prince was more so accidental. Right. Right. Where Rick James, man. I mean, members of his band were saying like, dude, you can't keep this up, man. Right. I mean, it was, and he, he mentioned in the documentary, man, he was spending thousand dollars a day on Coke. Yeah. Thousand dollars, thousands of dollars a day on Coke. And it just it overwhelmed him, man. So we, you know, musicians and, you know, now athletes, a lot of athletes, they get involved in that, man. Entertainers. And, you know, you know, it's sad. Michael K. Williams, uh, accidental overdose, shot yeah. accidental overdose. Yeah. You know, that came out that he accidentally OD'd. So it, it's yeah, it's a hard thing to kick, man. It's yeah. a hard thing to kick once people get so deep into it that it just takes over their lives and that they have nothing else to depend on but that fix. You know? mm-hmm. Yep, yep, yep. So yep. sad, sad to to lose a, a great young actor um, as he was, man. But we have his work here uh, to, to carry on. And like I say, man, I've, I've got the whole series uh, of The Wire, so I can always go back and, and check out his work. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. You know, so so his work will stand. Um, speaking of work, um, let's segue to an OG in the movie business. 
And that is Melvin Van Peebles passed also this week, man. And yeah. that was like, whoa, I that was surprising when I heard that. I knew he was he was he was old, um, but was surprised to hear him passing, man. And uh he came of age, you know, back in the seventies. Uh he was one of the I think he, uh, maybe Gordon Parks. Uh, were you know making movies? Uh, the the black what we call the black the black sport black exploitation exploitation movies yeah. <laughs> I mean we didn't see them that way. We're like man these are movies with black folks. Yeah. <laughs> yep. We were flocking to the theaters to watch all these movies. Right right. But um, he was a pioneer man um, in the movie business, and uh, in, in honor of Melvin Van Peebles man I had to pull out my copy. Uh, sweet back the other day. <laughs> and, and are you talking about the record? Or are you talking about the movie? The movie. <laughs> I, I pulled out the movie and watched Sweetback's bad ass song, man. I, I had to pull it out and pay homage to Melvin Van Peebles. I've also got Watermelon Man, which he mm-hmm. did. And uh, I, I of the two, man, I really like Watermelon Man. <laughs> that is that is a hilarious movie, you know. Mm-hmm. But uh, he's a pioneer, man, and um, you know he will definitely. Uh, again, we have his work here to 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 carry us on, man, from now on, you know. So, your thoughts on um, Mr. Van Peebles? Yeah, nineteen seventy one is when uh, Sweet 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 Sweet. Sweetback Badass Song came out. Yep. And as you mentioned, it was produced by a black man, starred by black folks. Yep. And and the majority of the people that worked in the making that film were black. Absolutely. And so because we didn't see us on TV very often, we didn't see us in the movies very often, other than being, you know, a, a stepping, fetching, or uh you know, somebody that's being used and so on. This is something where the uh, bad, uh, sweet, sweet back badass song was a black man that controlled his own destiny. Yep. Okay. And there was black people that had sex scenes. <laughs> you know, yep. there was some black sex going on. <laughs> we always knew black sex was going on. We was involved in black sex, but not on the movie screen. Not on the movie screen. You know, nope. a, a, a black man kissing, you know, Jim Brown kissing Raquel Rusk was, oh my God, I can't help it. But now you got black folks on there screwing some black folks, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Now, now, granted, you know, black exploitation movies weren't the best as far as dialogue and movie sets and so on, <laughs> but it was us. We were seeing us, you know, uh, and, and he produced this song. I remember, <laughs> I remember my mom said, I'm, I went to see sweet, sweet back, badass song. And she goes, I, that was a good movie. I went, that was a good movie. She goes, but you can't go see it. <laughs> <laughs> I, you know? I said, why is that she goes you just can't go see it you gotta be older to go see that <laughs> well and, and that's funny because i don't ever remember sweetback's badass song playing at the state theater i don't remember it. oh no 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 she went to louisville to see it she went to louisville right i yeah. don't ever remember that then and we we went we went to state theater we saw the superflies and the shafts and the Pam Grier movies, but I don't ever remember that movie playing at the State Theater on the marquee. I don't ever remember well, that on the State Theater marquee. Here's the thing. First of all, it was 1971. 
Yep. Okay. And so and you think about Superfly, you're going another couple years afterwards. Yeah. And so by uh, sweet, sweet back badass song making so much money, you know, and they saw that this this market was out there. Yep. Black folks are going to go spend money to see other black folks. Uh-huh. OK, so then when Superfly came out a couple, I think Superfly was maybe 73, maybe or something like that. I don't remember exactly the date, but now the state theater saying, you know, we got black folks in E-Town. You know, sure. we can make some money. We we play, you play these movies, and then black folks are going to come. And we had to sit our ass upstairs. We had to sit our ass upstairs. <laughs> we had to stand out in the cold in the rain. Right. Had to yeah. stand outside and go in that side door, but <laughs> uh, and walk up those stairs in walk the freaking those- dark. You know. <laughs> But Sticky yeah, I <laughs> saw, saw all the flicks there, man. The yep. Superfly and Shaft and Shaft's big score and the Pam Greer movies. And oh, yeah, 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 yeah. You know, but this 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 was pioneering, man. This he he is a pioneer and and a lot of his craft he passed on to his son, Mario. Yep. And they appeared together in some stuff. I uh, remember a series on TV it was a detective called Sonny Spoon. I don't know if yeah. you remember yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. They appeared together in uh in, in Sunny Spoon. And uh, I think they did a couple episodes of um uh what's the what was the show with Queen Latifah Living Single? Uh yeah. he was on a couple episodes of Living Single, uh Posse, uh Black Cowboy, about black western, you know, mm-hmm. that uh, that Mario did. And then uh, Mario was I think one of his best flicks, man, is New Jack City. So Dad passed along that that craft and that, um, you know, that vision to, you know, black people want to see black people on the screen. So uh, <laughs> that that is something that uh, that he passed on to his son. And again, uh, I, I've got a copy of Sweet Back that I can pull out and watch. And I've got Watermelon Man and I've got uh, Posse and New Jack City and all that. So. You know, we'll, we'll we'll keep his work alive, man, and as will a lot of other folks, man, that uh, that remember Mr. Van Peebles. So, yes, sir. Yes, sir. Rest in peace. Rest in power. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So, as as usual with the podcast, we we gotta talk about something serious every now and then. So, so let's segue to talk about. I'm gonna pull a topic out of the hat here. We we've got a looming crisis on the horizon, and. That has to do with the debt ceiling uh, issue that's coming up, a uh, possible government shutdown again here come Friday uh, if folks can't agree to uh, raise the debt ceiling and continue to fund the government. So here we go again. <laughs> and uh, our buddy Yertle, uh, he's, he's been on the record saying, you know, this is a Democratic issue and it's up to them. I'm like – I mean, I, I don't get these people, man. As as, are you down for the country or what? That that's what somebody needs to ask these people. Do you truly care about America? That you would rather see the country default on its financial obligations, have all the government agencies shut down, people not getting paid, working for free? We already went through that during Knuckleheads administration, where the government was shut down for how many days? Somebody needs to ask these people straight up, do you truly care about America? Yes or no? No quibbling, yes or no? Because a lot of this mess, man, just just tells me that these people could give a rat's ass about this country. Your thoughts? I'm going to keep this short. (laughs) 
our friend, Moscow Mitch, he's only concerned about regaining the Senate, becoming a Senate majority leader. When the past occupant of 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue decided that he was going to shut down the government himself, um, it was the Democrats that went along with raising the debt ceiling. Yep. The Democrats have always played ball. The Republicans under Moscow Mitch, they only play to get control again. That's all. So it's okay for you to help me when we're in need, but I'm not going to do shit for you. And I don't understand why the Democrats fall for that shit all the time. I don't understand it. So go ahead. Let the Democrats do it. Shut them up. Okay. But it's, as you said, it is, it is awful that they have to play these games. Yep. Now, every time the debt ceiling has been an issue, they've always raised it. They've always raised it. F- from the beginning of the, when the debt ceiling developed back in the 1930s, they've always raised the debt ceiling. It's never failed. So now, because of these knuckleheads saying that you're not going to get any votes from any Republicans, okay, fine. Then those that dumbass over in West Virginia and that stupid yeah. heifer that out there in Arizona You know, they are important. So do you want the government to go into debt? Do you want the entire economy to fall apart? All they have to say is no. Yeah. Yeah. And then piss on those other guys on the other side. You get 50 votes, 51 with the vice president, raise the debt ceiling. Let's do this. Let's eliminate that damn debt debt ceiling. Let's just get right. let's just get rid of it all together, and we just right. pay our bills when we pay our bills. Right, right. Okay, right. so let's just do that. You know, get get that idiot over in West Virginia, get that heifer down there in Arizona, and just say we're going to eliminate a debt ceiling, and we're going to eliminate, and we're going to pass a budget and keep the government going. Keep that's all. Going. That's all I need to say about it because yeah, yeah. it's it's. What can we do to screw things up for them? That's what it's all about. It's a, yeah, you're you're right. Well, what can we do to make life miserable, one for the other side? What can we do to make life miserable for the people who are who are governing, who are trying to govern? What can we do to make their lives miserable? And then, what is the fallout going to be from us failing to govern? It's going to hurt a lot of people, man. But they're always waving this flag about how patriotic they are and how much they love America and all this stuff. Your actions say otherwise. Your actions say otherwise. They failed to pass the police reform bill. Yep. That was another thing, man. Uh, but they love they love law enforcement. I yeah. mean, and what was in that bill was it was nothing. They they had had agreements, I think, from some of the law enforcement agencies said, okay, we can live with this. Yep. 
we can live with what you've got in here. And then you can't get the Republicans to do anything on it, man. It's like, like you said, man, and I believe it true. They always have to find an enemy. They've got to find something or somebody to hate. And so um, here we are. No, no police reform bill. Uh, no John Lewis voting right bill. Uh, it's it's sad, man, that uh, they would rather see the country in turmoil than to govern. That's what you're paid to do. So uh, you're right. I, I don't want to spend a lot of time on uh, on these idiots, man. And that that's that's what they are. And I, I think there's blame to go on both sides, honestly. Oh, I yeah. Think yep. the, the, the Democrats, they need to grow a pair and 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 get down and dirty, man. They're, they're being too nice all the time. And and the Republicans know that. They know that. Yeah. So they know that. And, and it, you can just watch and see it unfolds the same way every single time. And it's it's getting it's stressful, man, for um, and I'm sure people are watching because come Friday, if they don't do the right thing, there's going to be a lot of people hurting, man. A lot yeah. of people hurting around this country. So yeah, just think if the government shuts down and the FAA has to shut down. And that's right. The TSA has to TSA. shut down. Yeah. Matter of fact, all those TSA agents during the during the last uh, occupants administration, the TSA agents were working without pay, man. They were working without pay during the shutdown. You know, airlines were still flying. But TSA agents were working without pay, man, that whole time. Yeah. And that was disgraceful. They don't make a lot anyway. But you're asking these people to do their job and they're not getting paid, man. I mean, where is your sense of empathy, man? That's what I don't get. These people, you got it good. You're a freaking U.S. congressman, a congresswoman. You've got a great life, but you can't see that your actions are hurting other people. Why can't you see that? That your inaction hurts other people. They they have no empathy, man. So enough with that. Um, <laughs> another situation that drew the ire of of the public last week was was the issue with the Haitian immigrants down at the border. And I'm sure you saw it, man. A lot of people saw it. And uh, the discussion has come up uh, as to why doesn't the U.S. want the Haitian immigrants in the country? <laughs> and we know. We know. <laughs> you and I know. Uh, but I, I, I think it's just like, OK, what's the difference? You're taking in Afghans. You're bringing them into the country. No issues. But you don't want these Haitian immigrants who are fleeing for a lot of the same reasons that the Afghan people wanted out of Kabul and other places in Afghanistan, but you don't want these Haitian immigrants coming into your country. Uh, and the fact that you're out here got guys on horses like hurting these people, uh, and it's only because they're black and brown. That's that's it. That's the bottom line. And so uh, Biden's catching some hell over this this issue. Uh, his Haitian, uh, I think his person who was over, uh, was it the Haitian ambassador, the ambassador to Haiti? Or somebody resigned right, uh, because of the inhumane treatment that was being levied upon the Haitian immigrants. Um, so it's it's bad, man. And, and the U.S. has done this to Haiti, not just this time, but they've done it to Haiti in the past. So your thoughts about that? Uh, once again, I'm not going to spend a lot of time on it. <laughs> it's pretty simple. You know, 
the government and some of our leaders choose who they want to come into the country. Bottom line. Okay. When the 1980s rolled around and you had the Cuban boat people. And they were fleeing the Castro administration. Same time, there were the Haitian boat people. The Cuban boat people were allowed to come because they were free. They were fleeing uh, religious. They were fleeing political persecution. We can't allow the Haitians to come in the 1980s because they were leaving because of economic reasons. Okay, so they turned them back then. The situation now is pretty simple. You know, the majority of the Cubans that come here vote Republican. Yep. Hmm. Imagine that. And then the majority of the Haitians come here vote Democratic. Huh. Hmm. That's pretty simple. That's pretty clear. You know, you got folks with a lighter tone, folks with a darker tone. Light is right. <laughs> bottom bottom line. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Oh, and agree. just and just think about it. To get from Haiti, Haiti, Haiti to South America and Central America and Mexico, they had to go across the Caribbean Ocean. Yeah. So you're talking about 15,000 people that has been coming from from Haiti. I mean, they've had earthquakes. They've had devastating uh, hurricanes. Hurricanes, earthquakes. And so on. Yep. And, and I'll be honest. There's a simple way of ending this, but it's never going to happen. All that has to happen is this, my brother. GM, General Electric, Microsoft, Ford, Chevrolet, Apple, all they have to do is build plants in Haiti. They'll have people that aren't going to work for a lot, so they'll save money because they're not going to be paying them $15 an hour or whatever. Right, right. It's going to provide them an income. It's going to provide them something to do. They are going to be in Haiti. They are going to get an infrastructure built in because you're not going to get an Apple plant or a GM plant without having roads. Right, You're not right. going to have an apple plant or Silicon Valley type plant without having fresh water. You're not going to build any building that's not going to withstand earthquakes and hurricanes. So therefore, if you take your economy there, it's going to help those people. They will stay there because they don't have to come here for economic relief and you're going to save yourself some money by having people work at a wage that you can afford to pay. But the problem is you're building it in Haiti. You're doing it in Haiti and we don't want to help those people. Basically that's the bottom line. They Mm -hmm. could, they could end this relatively easy. 
Yeah. Well, that would be my recommendation. Yeah. Uh, and, and, and that would work for Haiti and would work for a lot of these other places that we've destabilized as to why, you know, which is forcing people to come to America. Yeah. There's no work there. So the, the, what, would, what would work for Haiti would work in a lot of these other places that people are fleeing because there's no jobs. The drug cartels are threatening people. They're lively, whatever. If you put something in place to give people some hope and, and provide them a lifestyle that they can, you know, that they can do something with, then it would probably stop a lot of these people fleeing and showing up at our borders. Yeah, and the other thing, Wayne, just think about this. You know, I mentioned, you know, the Cubans came here because of they were afraid of political pressure. Right, well, right. guess what? Just guess what happened to the Haitian president a few uh, yeah, months or so ago? That's right, got taken out. He was assassinated, and there's chaos all over the place over yeah. there. So yeah. why can't they use the same deal for them because they're fleeing because they're afraid of you know being killed by the people that's going to be right. taken over right. over there? Right. Right. Ah, it's just, yeah. it's just, yeah, it, it only applies to certain people with a certain skin tone, man. <laughs> and, and the Biden administration is shipping them back. Yeah. They, they, them out of there. Right. They interviewed this one young lady. Uh, the reporter asked her, you know, she's being deported back to Haiti. And the guy said, well, what are you going to do when you get back? She's like, I don't know. Where are you going? She's like, I don't know. I mean, they have nothing to go to. So what what are you deporting them back to? Yeah. You know, it's we've seen this. We've seen this before, man. When it comes to Haiti and people needing support from the U.S., it's not as strong as it should be. Now, there are people that have done some some good things for the Haitian people. Yeah. But at, at large, no, no. And the U.S. needs needs to check that, man. They need to check that. So we'll we'll keep an eye on that. I'm sure it's going to be uh, on focus here in the week upcoming uh, because it's not over. Um, they're they're deporting people, but the situation has not changed. What is going on on the ground in Haiti? People are still suffering. So mm-hmm. we'll have to keep an eye on that. So. Um, I think that was our last serious subject, so to speak. Let's get on to some fun stuff. Fun. <laughs> Let's segue to some fun stuff. But before we do, I almost forgot. We had another. Uh, I got a couple of things to throw in, man. Another person that passed this week. I almost forgot. Uh, we were talking about this a bit before we came on the air. That is Sarah Dash. Uh, and some folks who may not know who Sarah Dash is, but folks do know uh, LaBelle. The group back in the 70s comprised of Patti LaBelle. Nona Hendrix and Sarah Dash. Uh, Lady Marmalade was the the big hit they had back in the 70s. And then Sarah Dash had a solo career uh, during the disco era. She had a song called Sinner Man. It's uh, if you get a chance, go out and check it out. But uh, that was her big, uh, big hit during the disco era. But she passed this week. And then um, last week, uh, while you were out having fun and uh, doing your thing, man, I got a I got a demo a promo copy of this song and it's by donny osmond <laughs> it's by donny osmond and he's accompanied by charlie wilson <laughs> donny osmond and charlie wilson have a song it's called let's all dance and i'm surprised it's actually pretty damn good hmm. 
I was like, Donnie Osmond, and he is uh, he has solicited Uncle Charlie Wilson, uh, formerly front man of the Gap Band, to to do it with him, man. And it's it's actually pretty good. Charlie Wilson so, was right here in Indianapolis uh, la- night before last. I saw that. I, <laughs> I saw that. I, he he was in last the, night, and he must have went to Louisville. Because I saw on Facebook that Tim Brashear and his wife and somebody else was at the Yum Center, uh, Charlie Wilson, and somebody was in concert at the Yum Center in Louisville. So he must have left Indianapolis and went to Louisville. Yeah. (laughs) Or vice versa, one of the two. Yeah, yep. But yeah, so just wanted to throw that in uh, before we segue to this topic. So... um, for folks who don't know, our my co-host did a cruise last week. And uh, so we thought like, hey, this would be a good thing. First-hand knowledge. Cruising in the age of COVID. Ooh-wee. Yeah. So um, <laughs> I'm going to turn it over to you, my brother, and let, and let you expound on what it was like uh, being on a cruise ship during a pandemic. And what was it like? And did you feel safe, et cetera, et cetera? Take it away, my friend. Okay, yeah. Uh, well, let's put it this way. I've been trying to get on this cruise for about a year and a half now. It wow. originally started off as it was supposed to take place last June of 20. Wow. And Lynn and myself and Stephanie, she was going on the cruise too, and she had a friend that she was bringing with her. But, of course, the pandemic hit, and they had canceled all the cruises, and so— we, uh, Royal Caribbean, who we cruise with 99.9% of the time, they allowed us to take that cruise payment and move it forward. So we moved it forward to September of, it was supposed to have been in June, we moved it to September of 2020, thinking that, well, maybe the cruise industry would come back. Right, well, right. it didn't. So... We moved that cruise to uh, September the 11th. So we just moved it a year ahead of time and moved it to September 11th of this year. And prior to going on the cruise, I mean, we were pretty nervous. We, We didn't know, you know, everybody said the worst thing you can do is go on a cruise right now because you're gonna be uh, in a Petri dish and you're going to come back with all this stuff, you know, and we were like, oh man, you know, and we were, I was constantly reading blogs from Royal Caribbean and people that were doing cruises. Uh, as the days got shorter and shorter and closer and closer to the cruise, a few things that, uh, happened. Number one, when we talk about, you know, how we got on the cruise and whatnot. Number one, everybody that, got on that cruise had to be vaccinated unless they were under the age that they could not be vaccinated. Right, right, right. Okay, so if they were 12 and under, uh, they had to be tested, you know, every day, but um, they could still cruise. You know, their parents would bring them, and, and we saw kids on the boat and so on. Right, right. The other thing is that we had to take a antigen test 72 hours prior to boarding the ship. And so we had to show our vaccine card in which that dumbass Florida governor says, well, we're going to fight that. And the cruise liner said, piss on you. (laughs) 
And we had to show a vaccine card, and we also had to show a negative COVID test. Okay. Okay. So normally in the past, the ship sails at about four o'clock. Well, due to uh, COVID and whatnot, the ship the ship didn't sail until seven p.m. It's actually pretty cool because I've never sailed out of Miami or Fort Lauderdale or anything, you know, in the evening. Wow. You know, this is for seven o'clock. I mean, you know, it's getting dark this time of year. Uh, so we kept looking at blogs, and we have a, a, a set of friends that are in our Corvette club. They're also going to be on the same cruise, uh, husband and wife. And, and we were texting one another every day. Did you see this? Okay, I heard this. And we're sharing information because they weren't sure if they were going anyway, as, as well as us. So finally, we, we, Lynn and I said, if we get to the test part of it, we're three days out. We're going, especially if it's negative. If it's positive, we ain't going. That's a fact. Right, you know? right. So, <laughs> so we got on uh, CVS, and you can schedule a, a test. And we just had to figure out, uh, it's like up to two weeks, we just had to figure out the day that we were going to go to make sure it was within that three-day period. So right. we scheduled ours uh, Wednesday the 9th. I think it was <clears throat> the ship was sailing on the 11th. So we went in, got a test, you know, and and within probably an hour, they called and said, hey, your test is negative, And we're sending you an email that has where it was, the time it was, uh, your results. And so we printed that out. So we were negative. We're going. All right. Woohoo. <laughs> and the other thing is that um, we were concerned about, you know, the number of people going to be on the ship and so on. So the ship only sailed with 30% capacity. Wow. Okay. So once we got down to Miami, you know, we stayed in one of the hotels. Remember the hotel we stayed in, the Pullman, yeah. when we went on a cruise? Yeah. I thought that was the hotel that we had had gotten but it wasn't we stayed in a holiday inn we passed the pullman was like right next it was right down the street okay Okay. i just couldn't think of the name of the hotel until i saw it so i made sure i wrote it down um but anyway uh we you have a certain time that you have to be there in order to board now all all the times were staggered okay so that's why the ship Mm -hmm. sailed at at seven o'clock now, Royal Caribbean has an app that you get that um, it has uh, all these safety protocols that you have. There's a certain number of questions that you have to answer, okay, um, prior to you getting to the ship. And then once you get on the ship, you have to go through and go to your muster station because, you know, there's no crowds. No one's gathering together. And so that you go to your app. You hit Okay, I'm going to go to my muster station. I did this paperwork on the app right here, and they have all that. Went to my muster station, and one of the crew members says, okay, this is your muster station. Bloop, they clicked it off on our app, positive to go, and everybody had to go to their muster station. And if you didn't go to your muster station, they would call your ass out. Uh, Sarah Nolan has not gone to her muster station. The ship cannot sail without Sarah Nolan going to her muster station. 
So that was part of that. And then um, the rest of the time, um, the ship was, it was pretty daggone safe. All right. Uh, we also were able to upgrade to a larger cabin because they said, he, Royal Caribbean said, well, Will, you can bid on a larger cabin. Yeah, so okay. You know, so we went from a stateroom to like a junior suite. Okay. And so I said, okay, I'll bid 300 bucks. And I, this was about a week before. And I said, yeah, you know, and, and, and watching some of the videos, someone had just got off the Symphony of the Seas said, yeah, we, we bid it 500 bucks and we were upgraded to a junior suite. I went, really? Oh, I said, if they bid it 500, I'm going to bid 300. Not thinking, not thinking that I was going to get it. So I said, okay, I'll bid 300. If we don't get 300, no sweat off of my back. Okay. So that was about a week about a week and a half before we sailed. And then uh, like Monday or Tuesday before we sailed, they said, congratulations, you've just been upgraded to a junior suite. Wow. I, went, I went, okay. <laughs> wow. I, I told, I started laughing. Then goes, what are you laughing at? I said, we're getting a bigger suite. We're getting a suite. We're getting a suite. <laughs> she goes, What? It's like that Kevin Hart commercial. What? Yeah. <laughs> We're getting uh-huh. a bigger suite. What? We're getting a bigger suite. What? <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, we got a bigger suite. And then check-in was pretty simple. Uh, you had your card. You had your uh, test. And then you go to your muster station. You do that. Boom. We went right to our um, stateroom, our, our suite. And then the rest of the time, it was it was pretty cool, man. Um, right. Probably, probably, it sailed at thirty percent capacity. In a week's time, we may have passed in the hallway maybe six people. Whoa. Okay. Um, there was no waiting for elevators. You pressed a button, the elevator came. They're only allowed six people per elevator. Okay, that was it. Uh, Everything was social distanced Uh, on deck. All the chairs, they were kind of paired up, but they were like six to eight feet apart all over. And uh, as long as you were outside, you didn't have to take your I mean, you could take your mask off as long as you're outside. Right. right. Anytime you were inside, you had to wear your mask. Okay. Uh, the wind jammer, you know, the famous wind jammer where you can go up to the buffet. Yeah, th- that was different because um, you could go there and all the tables were uh, social distance. They would only allow you to be in certain areas when somebody left and they had a little card on the table that says this table is clean and prepared for you. You'd sit down and then one of the, you know, uh people that's on the ship they would turn the card over and say this table is unavailable and then you would go up and of course you'd always wash your hands they had hand sanitizers everywhere and then you'd go to the wind jam and you say i want that i want that i want that they would take and put it on your plate we didn't handle any utensils at all 
So I want that. You know, Lynn always wanted smoked salmon for breakfast and avocado toast. And I was the only time I eat grits is when I'm on a ship. So I had grits every morning and they would bring it back. And I said, OK, give me a couple extra butter. You did. They didn't have salt and pepper shakers on the tables. So you had to go to somebody and say, can I have, you know, two peppers and three salts? You know, the little bitty plat, uh, paper, right, right, paper right. one. Yeah. Do that. We'd sit down and eat. Okay, somebody would come by. Well, what do you want to drink? I said, give me two orange juices and a water. And they would bring it to the table. Okay, and that's how it was. Okay, uh-huh. uh, at the Windjammer. Um, for dining, uh, they once again everything was separated. Uh, you wore your mask unless you were eating, uh, which was no big deal once you get used to it. Right, right. Uh, you know how the the waiter, the wait staff would take the napkin and put it in your lap and do all that yeah. stuff. Yeah. Well, they didn't they didn't do that anymore. Okay, because you know social distancing and stuff like that. So you the nap the table napkins were on the table and we would take them off, put them in our lap, whatever. Um, so that was a safety issue that was pretty cool. Um, uh, of course, we had lobster. <laughs> I didn't have lobster. You know, I don't eat that. So they would normally cut your lobster, pull the tail out and stuff like that. So they didn't do that this time. So you had to manipulate it yourself. So any time there was contact between, um, you know, the the guests and the the workers or whatnot, they try to keep it a minimal. So that was a safety thing that was pretty cool, too. And um, we had a we had a really Nice wait staff. I mean, the 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 lady that was the head waiter for us, her name was uh, Jenny, and she goes, "Just think of me from Jenny from the block." You know, <laughs> she was she was awesome, man. She was awesome, and you know, my birthday was the day after we sailed, and she made a little video of all the people in there saying, happy birthday, Steve, happy birthday, Steve, congratulations. I hope many, many more. So that was kind of cute. You know, it was really, yeah, that, was, that was, that was nice. You know, and she, and she sent me a copy of it, you know, wow. she, made, she made a TikTok and she sent me a copy. And then two, three days later was our anniversary. So I told, Hey, Jenny, yeah, it's going to be our anniversary on the 15th. So let's do the same thing for Lynn. And they brought us, you know, anniversary cake. They didn't sing like they used to, Right, right. Yeah, you know, they just happy birthday. They just oh, say yeah. happy birthday, right? So that was cool. And they, she made another little TikTok video, okay, for us. And I think I put that on my Facebook page. I think I, thought, I, yeah, I think I saw it out there. Yeah. Yeah. So that was that was pretty cool as well. Um, you know, the the main area, the promenade. Yep. There there weren't that many people there. You know, the the ship was. You could walk around any place, man. It was it was really nice, very safe. Uh, the people working there was were awesome. Uh, there was social distancing everywhere. Yeah. They practiced, and if you if you forgot your mask or something, and I did once, I was having breakfast, and said, "Oh, I forgot to, you know, pick up some avocado toast." And so I got up from the table and walked over to where they were serving. And the guy said. Um, you need to put your mask on, sir. I said, oh, damn, I forgot. You know, and I just went back and put my mask on, went over, and they served me. Okay, you cool. Know? So, uh, safety-wise, 
man, Royal Caribbean did a hell of a job by just, you know, putting all their P's and Q's together. Right, uh, right. The other thing is that, and this is kind of a sad thing, is that everybody that's on that ship could not leave the ship. You know, Ooh. when we we went to St. Martin, they couldn't get off the ship. Oh, okay. We went to St. Thomas, they couldn't get off the ship. They had to stay on that ship. And when the ship wasn't sailing because of COVID, they were able to continue to work. And I said, well, Jenny, what did you do? They said, well, we just, you know, the big ship like that, you know, we were on the uh, Symphony of the Seas, big ship like that just can't not sail. So they said, we just sail around, just sail around the Caribbean, just out there working, you know. I mean, you can't, wow. you can't, it can't be in. It has to be out because all that stuff has to work. All the crew has to work. They, the crew couldn't go ashore. They couldn't have any vacations or anything. Wow. You know, because of COVID. You know. So how did that work when you, if you guys got off the ship, how did that work? I mean, so you guys get off. You go to St. Martin. You said so. You guys get off the ship. You're going to St. Martin. So what do you to get back on? Would they still accept your COVID test results from before? Would it, do you have to get tested again or something or what? What's the deal? Yes, it was still okay. accept. Now here's the deal. What we did, we got off the ship, but we didn't go very far. We didn't okay. go on any. We didn't go on any excursions. Okay. Yeah, and and we'd been on excursions and stuff like that. So we got off the ship just to get off the ship, and you know, each docking area, they had a little some little shops, you know, like yeah. Royal Caribbean International, and you know, places like that. Every we always wore a mask. Okay. Okay. And St. Martin, you didn't have to wear your mask once you got went ashore, but in St. Thomas, you had to wear your mask. Okay, and so. You know, it was it was pretty simple. Yeah. You know, everybody on that ship had to be vaccinated. Right, right. You know, and the people that were not vaccinated had to take a test every day. Okay. Yeah, yeah. But it was it was really safe. Um, social distancing was good. Um, all the amenities uh, they had. They still had shows, but they were social distance. Okay. They had areas of the ship that were for vaccinated people only. And then they had areas of the ship where you had both vaccinated and unvaccinated. The unvaccinated were in a lower, like the lower part of the main theater. Mm-hmm. The vaccinated people were above and the upper uh, decks of the main theater and so on. Right, right, right. They had special skating stuff for vaccinated people. They had uh, the weight room was for vaccinated people. The basketball court was for vac- vaccinated people. Um, the ping pong table was for, you know, both unvaccinated and vaccinated people. And it was it was the safest I've been since being involved in COVID was on that ship, believe it or not. Nice, nice. Yeah. Sounds really cool in the yep. age of COVID. <laughs> yeah. yeah. They did it right. Royal Caribbean, I you know, we've only sailed with them. And so, yeah. you know, yeah. uh, in December, we're sailing again. Now, this is the one you're doing 4 through 12, I think. Uh, yeah. We're, 4 through 12, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's an nice. eight-day cruise. Nice, nice. Yeah. So it was good, man. It's uh, people pretty friendly. You turn around, there's somebody saying, can I help you, sir? Can I help you, ma'am? 
you know, because yeah. those people had those people had to work, man. Right. You know? You know, I, I loved it when we were on there, man. It's like, all you got to do is chill. And I mean, it was a different environment then. Yep. Uh, but the fact that, you know, you can just chill, man, and, and just relax. And oh, it was so nice. Yeah. <laughs> so, so it sounds like that is still the case. It's just different operating modes now due right. to the pandemic. And right. uh, I'm glad to hear that you guys had a successful adventure. And uh, I'm sure it's probably going to be the same in a couple of months when you venture out again. So Yes, sir. Absolutely. And probably in March when we go back. <laughs> when we go, when we okay. go in while we're still in Florida. <laughs> okay, cool. Uh, hey, that is awesome, man. I'm glad to uh, be able to share that, man, to the listening audience. So if, if they have any ideas of... They might want to cruise and, you know, the fact that it is safe and the, the cruise line sounds like they go above and beyond to make sure it's safe. And and, so and one, think, other, one other thing, Wayne, is that uh, there's you can get Royal Caribbean blogs and stuff like that. Yeah. And there's one blog where it it shows you every ship that that's sailing now. OK. And it has a colored label on if somebody's tested positive or something like that on that ship. Uh, yeah. You can see a orange, a yellow, or a green. And so, if your ship's at sea right now, you can see that, and and every ship has to report COVID positive COVID results every day to the CDC. Wow. Okay. So we were looking at that app and looking at okay, Symphony of the Sea is green. Symphony of the Sea is green. Uh, okay. Navigator of the Sea is yellow, and it says. Um, it says uh, investigation taking place, and then it'll have one ship that's uh, that's yellow, and it says it's restricted, meaning that the ship is out there itself, but there's no passengers. Okay. You know, okay. so you have all these different things that you can look at to see if you know that ship is safe or not, you know, wow. before you board it. So nice. we we did all that, and it was it was it was. It was touch and go until we got that negative test, and then we said we're going. Cool. cool. Yep. Yep. Fantastic, man. Well, thanks for sharing that info. Uh, it gives me hope, man. It gives me hope. Yeah. I'm <laughs> trying to get you guys back on one of those things, hey, man. I'm ready, man. I don't know, I don't know yeah. if you can convince my better half of that. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm yeah, ready. Some- Cruising isn't for everybody, you know. And I know I I I see in Cynthia, she's like, I don't know if I want to do this all the time. You know, how Cynthia well, is. <laughs> I, think, I think when we went, we were out to sea a lot on that cruise, man, because of the hurricane. We we didn't get to go where we were supposed to go, so we were out yeah. at sea a lot. I think that sort of like she's like, man, we're out here on this water too long, you know, type thing. Yeah. So if you had more port calls, that that would probably ease the. Uh, you know, the angst of everything, but we'll, we'll get out there. We'll, we'll be back. We'll be back. And hopefully, you know, things are going to get better. Uh, but it sounds like, uh, in the interim, um, you know, steps are being taken to keep people safe. So that's all you can ask for. You know? Yep. I agree. hundred percent. Bravo. All right, my friend, um, any other parting shots before we sign off of this episode? No, nothing that I can think of right now. There was something a few minutes ago, but, you know, being 65, I am 65 now. Oh, okay. So Medicare's kicked in. And I got all that yeah. stuff, man. And so Medicare I, has kicked in. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so uh, some, some things are on my mind. My short-term memory, my short-term memory sometimes is, is, 
it's failing me. So I was going to say something, but I forgot what it was. But that that's all right. I'll I'll have another new memory in a few yeah. minutes. <laughs> it'll it'll come to you, man. Yeah, it'll come to I'll me. Concentrate a little bit. <laughs> yeah. No, man. Sixty-five. Yeah. All right. Sixty-five and still alive. That's it, man. Talking no jive. That's it. Every Hanging day out above, with Beyonce and the Beehive. That's right. Every <laughs> day above ground is good. That's right. That's right. Man. All right. So uh, we're going to wrap up this episode of the Across the Tracks podcast. And uh, as always, we like to say we say it as we see it. And we're going to continue to do so and hope you will continue to tune in. Check us out as your schedule allows. And uh, we'll be here next week with another set of interesting topics. And until then, I will just say sayonara. Sayonara. And I'll turn it over to my friend. All right. I just thought of it, Wayne. I just, just thought, thought of it. it. All right. We're coming up on uh, a year since we talked to uh, Miss Scott. Yes. Yes. And we said we were going to check back in with her in about a year's time to see how things are going. It's been a year already. It has been a year. I was looking at I was looking at the schedule the other wow. day, and I think it was October of last year that we had a conversation with her. Hey, man, time is zipping. Man. Yeah, with with Kendra. Yeah, yeah, yeah and yeah. Uh, we may have to uh, look look into having her back yeah, on. Getting to see her back on. Okay. How okay. things have changed. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So yeah. That's, that's... there's that that brain fart just went, came back. Okay. Sucked it back in. Okay, and, we'll, uh, we'll have to reach out and uh, see what her schedule's like and get her back on in uh, yep. uh, an a, a episode in the future here coming up before the year is out. Yeah, yeah, sounds sounds good. Well, cool. with that in mind, I'm going to say as we as we phase this episode out uh, that uh, folks, make sure you get out there and register to vote and don't ever pass the opportunity to do that. You are needed. This country, democracy is in our hands. And if you don't vote, you have no reason to complain about what the hell these people do to you. Okay, so with that, get out there and vote. Voting is no joke. Absolutely. As in with our old baseball term, like three strikes, we're We're out. out. The views and opinions expressed in this podcast are of those of the individual's and do not reflect on the official policies or positions of any government or corporation.